In advertising, a large budget does not fully prove that a product is good. What it does establish is that the advertiser is confident enough in the future repeat popularity of the product, irreversibly to spend some of his resources promoting it. Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Series 2 of Silence, Please. In this series, we'll be using topics from Rory Sutherland's book, Alchemy, to explore the relationship between creativity and behavioural science in advertising. Since at the moment you make a purchase decision, the advertiser knows more about his product than you do, a costly demonstration of faith by the seller may well be the most reliable indicator of whether something is at least worthy of consideration. I'm Ollie Henderson from Silence Media. We have a book club here at Silence that meets up every now and then to discuss books about advertising. Our next book is Alchemy, The Surprising Power of Ideas That Don't Make Sense by Rory Sutherland. If you'd like to join us at Book Club, I'll give you the details at the end of the podcast. In this episode, we'll be discussing the role of signalling in the age of hyper-targeted digital advertising. My guest today is Dave Barnett, Managing Director of Media Agency December 19. Morning, Dave. Hi, Ollie. Dave, would you start by explaining what signalling means, please? Yes, of course, Ollie. Thanks for inviting us on, um, first of all. Um, so, yeah, what is signalling? Um, it's, it's basically the need for reliable indications of commitment and intent, um, whether that be peer-to-peer, person-to-person, brand-to-consumer. Um, and these, these reliable indications um, can inspire confidence and trust. Um, so think of the real world, um, a black tra- cab driver doing a, a four-year um, knowledge, doing the knowledge four years. That commitment up front um, basically buys that cab driver um, that level of trust. And somebody, they pass, their, pass the knowledge, they can get in a cab, they can turn a light on um, and drive around London knowing that um, you know, anyone that wants to get in a cab has already built up a level of trust that that person will take them where they want to go, will not rip them off. Um, and, and so there's that intent um, and that commitment up front that has built that trust for you know, four years down the line when they take their first um, pick up their first fare. Um, and then if you think of um, that, how that works um, in, you know, with brands and businesses, um, that basically for this, um, for signaling, there's three um, big mechanisms that underpin trust, um, and they are um, reciprocation, so people wanting to repeat business. So if you think of your you know, local coffee shop um, that relies on always making sure that the coffee's fresh, nice, the service is good because they need you to come back tomorrow to buy that next coffee for the business to survive. Um, and then if you think of a larger business, um, the reputation is key. So it can take years to build a reputation and can be you know, cut overnight. Um, so it's really key that they, they sort of work on their reputation to succeed. Um, and then there's that pre-commitment. Um, and if you go back to the, the black cab example, all of that time and effort goes up because they're then buying into something where the trust is already, and trust reputation is already built. They could go and work at the local minicab office and arguably earn, you know, <laughs> A wage that when you put in the four years um, up front, um, but that pre-commitment buys them into a, a, a brand that is already trusted, and that brand being a, you know, that that yellow light on top of the black cab. So, in the last series of Silence, please, we talked about Bob Hoffman's book Bad Men, and one of the points Bob makes is that costliness in advertising carries meaning, something with which Rory Sutherland agrees. But now it's possible to deliver targeted ads. Is this an outdated concept? Um, good question. Um, and one we're asked a lot. 
um, not just you know directly on the podcast, but by clients um, in their briefs. Because um, you know, just because in the digital age everything can be measured, it's not right that everything should be measured. Um, it's, it's sort of my first thought on it. And you know, we've got clients that are wanting to. They've got to the point where they want to build a brand um, and they've got the budget to build a brand, but they'll still revert back to, okay, what was the last click cost per click? What was the click on, you know, what was the click through rate? And so just because you can measure the digital doesn't mean, you know, they're not asking what was the click through rate on the back of that brand TV or what was the, you know, how many sales did we make off of our large um, Piccadilly billboard? Um, so. I think digital gets a, a bad rep because it can um, be measured, and so the hyper-targeted bit is, a, you know, sort of um, their own worst enemy in, in, in that respect. Um, because the digital now sits across every media, so being hyper-targeted, you can, you know, digital out of home, digital TV, um, digital radio, you can be hyper-targeted with with, with every media channel, um, arguably. But how? You can say you're hyper-targeted, but once you drill down to how targeted that actually is, there's still an awful lot of wastage. Um, and I'd argue in a digital area, a straight play, um, wastage is, is bots <laughs> or actually unseen ads. Wastage in more traditional channels, whether they are still digital, um, is, is perhaps reaching a, an audience um, that you're, you're not um, planned against. But you are still reaching an audience that could be a future, um, you know, future consumer of your brand. So I'm, I'm really interested in this idea of wastage for the reasons you've already outlined, but but also because of the limitations of targeting. Um, however, people would make the point that if you were a, a, a small business or a brand with a relatively small budget, is there really any point in running a brand awareness campaign, or should we just be spending all of our money? trying to reach that specific audience, which the, you know, we're now told the data can allow us to do? Um, yeah, the, the temptation is absolutely there. That you can go, okay, every pound I spend is going to reach my consumer, so that's going to be the best pound that I can spend, and that consumer is going to most likely to buy my product. So the return on investment is, is going to be fantastic, and that's the most um, efficient way of doing it. Right. And it... And in the life cycle of a business, absolutely, you know, there's a lot of direct consumer brands now that have built their business um, on, on digital platforms. So whether that's Google, social, um, you know, it's easy to you can sit there, type in your audience, define it, start sending some ads out, start sending some stuff. It's great, it's easy, and it works. But what it doesn't work is when you want to start scaling up that business. And there's been a, a Thinkbox study recently, um, and that's about um, scaling up small businesses. Um, and they're saying concentrate, scale is the biggest thing. That's the biggest um, biggest win in terms of, of driving effectiveness. Um, and it's not about driving profit. Um, so concentrate on driving scale over profit is a key point that come out of Thinkbox um, uh, research. But I would also argue um, that with the right approach, you can do both jobs, even on a small budget. Um, so driving the business today, so really targeted on, on, on your stuff, is actually building brand over time. Um, and um, Binet and Field call it brand response. So you're getting that combination, and that can be done on a smaller budget. So if you are being hyper-targeted, not everyone's going to buy your product, 
but there will be people that don't buy but see you as an advertiser using the right channels in the right context with a relevant message. It's all great stuff for the brand. But that will, at some point, the people in those channels, you will have maxed out. Um, some of those may come into market, some might drop off, but you will have maxed out. At some point, you will need to um, drive um, the uh, scale um, to, to drive the business on. And that's the point where the sort of tipping point of wastage. Using media that is deemed of having wastage because the, the brand of business has been so concentrated on this is the ROI that we can get from our media spend. And you do have to go, okay, that's fine, but next year that's going to creep up, it's going to creep up, it's going to creep up because you're fishing in the same pool constantly. So you cannot survive and scale as a business using those same channels. So at some point there has to be a, a, an education piece, a, a, a leap of faith um, from the business owners, from the investors, that actually for the long-term benefit of this business um, that we need to scale up. And the way you scale up is by building the brand. So that idea of growth, of course, is at the heart of a previous book club book, Byron Sharp's How Brands Grow. One of the things that we took from that book was the importance of distinctiveness compared to differentiation. I'm interested to know how either through creative or media or a combination of both, you can help a brand achieve that distinctiveness. Yeah, it's a, it's a really important point. Um, when we're talking about hyper-targeted um, messaging, um, so you, you know, trying to speak to one person on, with, with a single message, and talk about wastage, I think that having a distinctive, especially on a, a smaller budget, having a really distinctive set of brand assets um, and tone of voice, and that's what we find now. A lot of businesses that are you know, direct-to-consumer, e-businesses, recent launches, they start with a very clear tone of voice and they, they have a clear purpose. And so they stay true to that brand purpose and so then, as long as they stay true to that, as they grow in scale in terms of messaging um, and the channels that they use, all of that great work that's been put on in, you know, at the beginning of the business all brings to fruition as they scale up. Because people want to know that, you know, if, is, is this brand actually true to what they say? It's never been more, more important to have a, a purpose that's actually genuine and being authentic. And so from... From a lot of uh, businesses that have, have got a heritage have had to really, you know, reshape themselves and, and, and rebuild themselves because perhaps what they're saying on their Piccadilly billboards, billboards, or what they're delivering um, as a business, there's a disconnect. And in this day and age, it's not enough for the consumer. Consumer, really, you know, go back to the signalling point. People want to know that these, you know, these commitments and these, this is all genuine and this is all authentic. Um, and what's being, you know, what's being said up front is, is being delivered um, at the shop floor. This brings us to the end of the episode. Thank you to our excellent guest, Dave Barnett from December 19. A massive thanks too to Penguin Random House for providing us with extracts from the Alchemy audiobook. Our music is by Super Thriller. If you'd like to join us to discuss Alchemy, we're meeting on the afternoon of Thursday, the 3rd of October at the Pembury Tavern in Hackney. Visit the Silence Media website for more details. And don't forget the first rule of book club, you don't have to read the book. 
In our next episode, we'll be discussing whether you should do counterintuitive things because no one else will. Goodbye.